Welcome to Trusting the Covenant, Faith, Finance, and the Freedom of Having Enough. Today's episode, how Christian financial coaching will fix more than just your money. Miner and I dig into the question of what makes Christian financial coaching different from other forms of financial coaching you may be familiar with. We discuss the three primary types of financial thinkers and how Trusted Covenant helps each one solve its financial problems. We explore the source of financial stress and what lies beneath every choice to spend or save. We talk about the difference between being rich and poor and what the Bible has to say about it. We attempt to answer the age-old question, is money actually the root of all evil? And finally, we lead you towards peace and contentment with your money, talking about what it takes to believe that you are truly provided for in every situation. Join us as we talk about Christian financial coaching and all the ways it can make a difference for you and your money. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Trusting the Covenant, Faith, Finance, and the Freedom of Having Enough. I'm David Safford, and I'm here with our founder, Minor Ramos. Minor, how are you doing today? I am doing great, David, and I so appreciate the fact that, you know, God gives us the opportunity to come together like this so that we can share our message. Amen. It's, uh, if you're watching this, um, it's the week after Thanksgiving, but we're actually recording over the the break that everyone gets for the holiday. So we're very excited to uh, load up on some good food and some family time. And uh, if we're being honest, a, a little bit of rivalry football this weekend. Mm, that's um, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Miner, go ahead and, and and tell the listeners and viewers what team will you be pulling for this weekend? Well, you know, there's a big rivalry that in the Midwest in the Big Ten. <laughs> Network yes. and uh, we we have a friendly competition. I'm on the Ohio State side, and mm-hmm. I will not hide it. Tell everybody yep, else who you're who you're rooting for. Well, I'll go ahead and steal the the spotlight from you here. I'm a Michigan fan, and uh, you know, every everyone scouts their opponent's signs. I mean, come on, is it really that big of a deal? Well, according to the NCAA, it is. But hey, we don't need to talk about that here today. So there'll be some friendly rivalry going on uh, with the football. And uh, are you traveling for Thanksgiving, or are you staying put here in East Tennessee where we live? Yeah, just going to be you know hanging around here, not traveling anywhere being with family and just really enjoying the beauty of God's nature and uh, everything that he provides for us. So, yeah. Yeah. We just got some rain too. So hopefully all the wildfires are calming down. You know, it's been a dry season uh, for a while. I'm also staying put, but hopefully if you have been traveling, you've gotten to your destination safely. It's, you know, always a crazy weekend uh, with Thanksgiving. So uh, today we wanted to talk a bit about something that is very core to who we are as a company, Trusted Covenant. In fact, we we chose the name Trusted Covenant for a reason, and we'll get to that uh, in a a moment here. But I just thought I'd start out with, you know, Miner, you first approached me a few months ago. You wanted to start a company that was built around the idea of Christian financial coaching. Tell us a bit more, what does that mean, Christian financial coaching? Yeah, at its core, it's the coach is really a person that knows how to navigate the future self of the individual that's in front of us. And what I mean by that is we're, you know, counseling deals a lot with what happened back there and what what creates issues for people. Coaching is more of navigating the challenges that people have. And so when we talk about Christian financial coaching, there have been so many different sound bites that people have heard about biblical financial matters, right? But the way that they're that they're presented may not always be the best for the majority of people. And what I mean by that is most people are trapped by the guilt and the anxiety that comes with managing their money. Why would any guru belittle a person, make them feel bad, let them know how dumb they were for doing the things that they did, and even more, not show them that love and compassion that I think Jesus himself would share with us. And so that brings us to how do you separate yourself from the people that use God's word 
in conjunction with finances, but don't necessarily align those two messages and allow people then to transform their heart so that then their wallets will be uh, conformed to the, you know, for the glory of God. We say God is on display. Hmm. I love that idea of, you know, transforming your wallet while also conforming your heart. Now, you you mentioned this character who, of course, is central to Christian financial coaching, and that is Jesus. And for some listeners or viewers, you know, that may be a difficult name to hear. For others, of course, it's a great name. It's a it's a spiritual name. But for others, there, you know, there might be some strong emotions, maybe some fear, some worry. You know, what what happens when I engage with a Christian financial coach? Am I going to be judged? Am I going to be condemned for things? So what is it about the character of Jesus Minor that that you try to instill into our services and our coaching and our helping here at Trusted Covenant? Really good question. Jesus always talked to the people that had a problem. It it really goes back to the saved don't need to be saved. The well, the the, the ones that are healed don't need healing. And the ones that are doing well financially don't need the counseling or the the coaching. And so his model was always going to the people that needed something. And he was able to provide that with in a loving way, in a compassionate way, in a way where he would like almost hug them and caress them with whatever issues they were having. And so if we take that model in dealing with finances, we, we talk about uh, three different laws that I think are really important. The first one is the law of provision. So one of the first things that we want people to understand is God provides for us. That is a central message that I think is so important for us to get. And being Americans is very difficult to do that because there's so much consumption, there's so much abundance, and then we create some of the issues that that you know are part of our existence and 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 our, and our finances. The second law is that law of contentment. So one of the things that I always like to tell people is like, you know, have you ever talked to somebody who wants to sell you homeowners insurance and they tell you, well, what do you think your house is worth if you went around and and you took a video of every item in your house? What do you think that's worth? And I think that's a really good exercise for people to have. Take, I, I don't think anybody has video cameras anymore. I think, you know, it's 2023. They're just going to take their iPhone and they're going to go around and they can just go in through every room and then just kind of take an assessment. I think if anything, most people would actually have to extend that from the living room to the dining room, to the kitchen, to the bedrooms. And then they'll probably have to go into the garage because there's a lot of stuff in the garage. And then if they really are honest with themselves, they might have to take that video and go to the storage facility that they have because there's a lot of consumption there. And then you start to realize that if you assess where you are, what you have, that's kind of like where all your money financial problems are, right? And so the, the law of contentment is knowing that God provides for you for what he thinks is best for you. And so it's it's the reassurance of having not comparing ourselves to others. The Bible calls that coveting. Okay. Now, the third aspect of this is the law of finishing well. And that's where legacy planning comes in because we, all of us, are leaving a legacy behind. We may not know, we may not know this and be aware of it, but we are leaving a legacy behind. We're, we're parents, and I know there's a lot of listeners who are parents, and I know that everybody can kind of relate to the fact that whenever you try to teach your child something, they may not be listening to you. You know what they do? They observe what you do, and they copy what you do. They may not always hear you or listen to you, but they're watching you. They are really mocking and copying everything that you're doing. So when you talk about leaving a legacy and making a difference, it's going into their mind and they're trying to figure out their own identity. Is their identity in Christ 
or is their identity in the things that, that they own? And so that's what that's what forms the concept of this temporary life, whether it's 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80, or 90 years, it's still temporary. It's what we do with this life and the matters and how things matter in eternity and kingdom authority. That's where you know it's really all about. And so that separates any other type of financial coaching, financial, anything else that's out there. Uh, really, it's it's the heart of the matter more than the things that we're managing. You said something in there, Minor, that got me thinking just about how Jesus did kind of move towards the marginalized and the outcast, that he moved towards lepers and, and prostitutes and uh, poor people and tax collectors and lepers, uh, I already said lepers, uh, and sick people. Um, but did he ever serve the rich? And so therefore do, do, you know, we actually work with people who have maybe made better choices and accumulated more and, and they've, you know, they have something to pass on. Like, how do we approach that? Yeah. It's a really good question because it, it, it helps people understand that there is not a one size fits all. And so every solution doesn't happen for everyone. And so when somebody tries to tell you, you know, they get you together in a big conference or some kind of um, big room and teach a bunch of people and, but they're, they're teaching the same thing to a large crowd of 200, 400 people. It doesn't work well for everyone. So let me explain how we at Trusted Covenant do this. And so there are what I consider three levels of finance. The first level finance, it, and it actually coincides with Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That that level one finance is is really the 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 bottom of the of the the pyramid that he shows where people are just looking for security and safety. They're just literally looking to survive. Survival. That's that's the name of that that lower bracket. Yeah. And and that survival just means for the majority of people, the folks that are doing paycheck to paycheck living. A lot of times we find people that really they're they don't have the ability to think through clearly because they're so worried about finances. And so they might they might end up at places like these um these these payday loan places that when you look at the numbers it's high high interest and uh, they might you know not just figure out how you know how to make ends meet and so there's a lot of stress there's a lot of health issues uh, mental issues when it comes to that so that's the level one thinkers and i think that that one of the first things that they need they don't need a budget budgets may not work for everyone so we create a spending rhythm and that spending rhythm is is more aligned with what really happens in that family so you can't teach them that you know if you if you if you put your numbers into this spreadsheet and then you you know you track it that this is all going to work out the majority of the time it doesn't so that you know people have a lot of high failure ratio when we don't address what really is a hard a hard issue a lot of this is psychological and, and a hard issue more than the the things. People are not people are not poor. People are broke because of the, the the decisions that they make. So that's level one. Now let's talk about level two. These are folks that typically have some kind of what we say positive cash flow. So they're not necessarily worried about. Yeah, you know, where, you know, are they going to be able to go to that Chick-fil-A, you know, for, for lunch? Maybe are, are they going to be able to go to the movies or go to that Tennessee game? Maybe not. Not too much of a concern. But what typically happens is it's not so much about how much money we make. It's about how much money we keep. And so I've dealt with people that make $200,000 a year. And they're in this same kind of arena where they're not maximizing. So here we'd like to say, that we want our dollars to have babies, right? And so sometimes a, a picture, you know, might help somebody. So if you're making, if you're making forty thousand and you don't have your your money having babies, you're still kind of not maximizing. Same thing if you're making one hundred fifty thousand or two hundred thousand and you're in the same category, then that's not going to work either. So it's more of 
now we talk about level two finance, where the principles here is kind of the principle of the talents. The talents are, you know, there was a, a master that, you know, gave three servants, one gave them one talent, the other one gave them five and the other uh, three and five. And so that concept was they were able to grow and multiply. So that's the concept that we deal with when we talk about level two finance. And finally, level three finance, when people come into our organization and, and they're operating at this level, it is sort of a high level way of thinking. Now, you know, they're thinking more of abundance. They're thinking more of how to, you know, make their money grow. They're thinking more of investing uh, in, in maybe non-traditional stuff because, you know, there's so much that goes on about some of the traditional spending. And so, you know, we're really able to sit down with these types of individuals that are level three finance thinkers that now want to be able to have an impact. Giving is a big part of this crowd because we're blessed, we need to bless others. Now, here's what happens is that you can't give from an empty cup. So you have to fill that cup. You know, think about the concept of a storehouse. You know, when the storehouse is filled and filled and filled, then there's, there's abundance there. Well, level one finance thinkers aren't doing that. Level two thinkers, and they could, but they're not practicing it. The level They've three- They've got a shed. They don't have a barn. <laughs> that's right. And they're not quite there yet. So these are the thinkers that lead more into the human aspect of it. The, you know, there's an abundance that comes and, and these folks probably need to understand that even though they're doing well and they could maybe, you know, they have businesses and they're able to, to give back to communities. There's something more to just being able to do that. Where is their purpose? So now we talk more about that legacy, right? That that concept of knowing that what you do matters on a daily basis. And so, you know, we break it down that way. One last thing that I would add to this, and I think it kind of it kind of goes into understanding how this works. Most of the times that I sit with people, uh, a lot of their stress comes from where they work. So a high percentage of people are not satisfied where they work. So 80 plus percent of people are dissatisfied in the workplace. And especially after the great resignation, and now they're making people come back to the office or you don't have a job, that kind of stuff. So here's the way that I break it down. If you have a capital uh, project, right? This is where you go, you, you, you work, you either work for a corporation, you have your own business and you make money, you have your capital project. This is what, this is what you're gonna live on. If you're able to somehow combine that with a passion project, something that you really feel passionate about and you love doing what you're doing, where you could actually answer the question, if you didn't have a pay coming back to you for that, would you still do that job? That's a passion, right? So everybody feels it a little differently and it's very different for everyone. But if you can connect those two things with a charity or a ministry project, oh man, it really changes everything because that 80%, you know, the satisfaction in the workplace, that goes out the door. Um, the abundance and the giving, uh, it really, it, it explodes and it multiplies. And the fact that you're able to contribute to a ministry or a charity, that does so much for personal finance, much more than anything else with everybody else is trying to acquire, acquire, acquire. Uh, when we have the law of contentment, when we understand the law of uh, provision, and we understand the law of ending well, this all really comes together in a very robust, very intelligent way to people to understand that God is our provider, and that we're going to be able to honor him in, in everything that we do. That's an awesome portrait of just the the holistic way that we look at serving people in very different situations. So David, a lot of people, you know, want to know, well, what's the difference with working with a Christian financial discipleship coach? Well, that does not exclude somebody who doesn't believe in, and hold to the worldview that we have. Some people might have tried some kind of financial coaching and, you know, maybe they just weren't able to relate to the way that they presented the information because they, again, 
it's not a one size fits all. So the question that I would ask that person is, how's that going? <laughs> and if the answer is not good, we would love to be able to, you know, to, to show people what God, God's word has to say about it. It doesn't mean that that individual necessarily holds the same worldview that we do. We just want to be upfront and let people know that the way to contentment and the way to removing the anxiety and removing that judgment that people feel, and this is kind of like a, a negative vibe people get about you know dealing with anyone who has financial um, issues, we're going to welcome anyone who is willing to explore things from a, a slightly different way. And, and the slightly different way is no judgment, a lot of care, a lot of heart, and walking with you, trusted covenant literally means this. It's a not even a contract, because you know what? A contract could be broken by lawyers or judges or anything like that. A covenant means you're literally making an, a kind of a pact. So covenants, we don't talk about that too much anymore in America. But a pact is we're going to walk with you and make sure that you get to your desired goal of managing finance as well, being that kind of giver, maybe, you know, having going through those levels of finance that we talked about earlier, but being very intentional and leaving all the anxiety and all the guilt that you've had to face all this time, the mental health issues, what our intention and our hope is that you'll see a light at the end of the tunnel as we walk through this with you. So again, you don't have to necessarily, you know, be a Christian or hold to our views, but we're going to come and show you how God can provide for you and show you how you can be content. So then you can finish well. I think a, a way that I would sum up the difference is that a lot of coaching, whether it's financial coaching or uh, physical training, diet coaching, uh, a lot of it is aimed at behavior modification. It's that you have a, a fundamental set of behaviors that are not working for you, whether that's spending too much, eating too much, watching too much Netflix, whatever it is. And, and that's your problem. And yet what some of the best coaches find is that behind the, or really underneath the behavior is a belief, is a wound. Mm -hmm. And that until you address the root cause of the problem, you're not actually going to fix anything. And this is, again, a lot of folks who have maybe watched Christians or religious people from a distance won't know this because Christians are really bad at, at living this out. But Jesus was not about behavior modification. He was about heart transformation. He was that, that this, uh, this fundamental idea that I don't feel loved. I don't feel like I belong. I'm not accepted. I'm not forgiven. I'm not healed. His whole ministry was about changing that, which again is why he targeted the marginalized. Mm -hmm. He wasn't picking uh, the best players for a playground team of kickball. He, he picked losers. He picked sinners. He picked people that, you know, modern society would be like, you've got to be nuts. You don't build a movement out of these people. But the, the fundamental idea is that we all carry wounds, we all carry hurts, and we all carry false beliefs about ourselves. I'll never be good with money. I'll never be able to stop smoking or vaping or drinking or eating fast food or this or that. I'll never get below a certain weight. I'll never fit into this pair of pants. I'll never be able to buy a house. I'll never be able to do this or that. We are filled with these false beliefs. And Christian financial coaching doesn't say, oh, you can have whatever you want because God loves you and is going to bless you financially. It's God's going to bless you in your heart so that no matter how much you have, you're going to feel loved. And, and that doesn't mean you're going to live live off ramen every day. There may be some weeks where you live off ramen. I mean, I'm kind of going through one right now, but but the, the belief still has to be there that God loves you. And there's a verse minor that we we fixated on early when we were planning this. And I, I thought I'd share this. And again, if you're not a, a church person, please don't run away. This isn't meant to scare you, but it actually comes from a book of wisdom from uh, Proverbs. So it's like kind of like a fortune cookie 
that you get. And it says, two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. So that's good. Don't let me lie. But then here, here's the kicker. Give me neither poverty nor riches. That sounds funny. Mm. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonor the name of my God. And I feel like that puts to bed a lot of false beliefs about religion, that religion either wants you to be rich or it wants you to be poor. And the answer is there's problems with both. Yeah. What do you think, Miner? Absolutely. And and the the way to summarize that verse is where is the one dollar that's going to cost me to forget about my creator? That's where the problem starts. So to some people, you know, having a six figure income is all they can handle. Some of them only 50,000 a year is all they can handle. But it's not so much about how much we're able to, to acquire. It's about what we do with it. There are some people that could be trusted with a $10 million portfolio and a $10 million you know, business. They can do a lot more than the person who's struggling paycheck to paycheck and would love to give to the needy and would love to have an impact, but they just can't. It's, it's impossible for them to do that. So there's this there's two schools of thought. Well, you know, oh, Jesus was poor, so I'm going to be poor. And there's it, there's this kind of a negative view of having wealth. Well, think of King Solomon. Think about what he had. He had cattle. He had land. He had, you know, the, 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 the gold and silver. He was able to do a lot more than maybe you know the average american right so it isn't inherently there's nothing wrong with it the the scripture that usually is misinterpreted is the love of money is the root of all evil okay people used to say that money is evil that's the way that you know but here's what i here's what i found this is what what we talk about i think that the lack of money is really the sum root of all kinds of evil. And the reason for that is just to understand that why do you think there are crimes in the world? Why do you think people step all over other people, the ones that are maybe more marginalized? Why do you think corporations take advantage of you know, their client base, right? Google, Google, large banks, and the and the things that they've done to their client base and see what the results have been you can tell by the amount of fines they've been they you know they've been able to well of course you know it's all all calculated because they know that if they make 100 billion dollars and they get a you know a slap in the hand with a 100 million dollar fine it's totally fine where do you think that comes from it's from greed well, where does greed come from? From from the the concept of not having enough. So yeah, we, I, if I can add to that, I'd say it's not the lack of money; it's the perceived lack of money. Because again, just like everything else we've said, lack is relative. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, uh -huh. it, it is. So so think about this, uh, David. You and I went to a conference, um, you know, a couple of months ago, and we were in a, a session where we heard somebody that was explaining uh, a concept or something that was going on in a country in Central America. And that person was actually like enumerating what, how much they live on. And I want to say, I, my memory probably, because I, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. I think it was like 240, 240 US dollars a month is what they were living on. And you can't, I mean, here in the United States, you can't even imagine what that would look like. So, but some of those folks, their demeanor is very different. I bet you their anxiety levels are actually very, very low. Their contentment is very, very high. And their sense of purpose and their sense of gratitude is actually very, very, very high. So how can it be that 
in a country like the Central American country, they have so little and appreciate so much. And we have so much and appreciate so little, right? So those those two things are competing principles, but the the, the balance is like the scripture was saying, don't give me too little that, you know, that I may curse your name, but don't give me too much that I will forget your name. Somewhere in the middle of that, that's where all the formation comes in and the transformation of the individual and the, the individual's heart of what they what actually want to do for God's kingdom. I think that that's the freedom that, that God has given us in, in, that, in that construct. It's not necessarily, you know, we're going to put all these people into this box and everybody's going to just like a robot do what we tell them to do. No, God is really trusting us to be able to listen to his word and follow, uh, you know, the, the teachings that we have in the Bible. And so it's really beautiful to come to a place when you're really, you really understand that you're trusting God in, in everything, not just in, in, in just health issues where, you know, most Christians are very, very like easy going about praying for health, but they're not as easy going about pay, praying for finances, which is, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me too much, but I understand where the challenges are. You know, when we talk about financial coaching and you'd said earlier that what we do, we don't just get up and talk to a room full of 200 and 400 people and prescribe them the same solution. Um, I, I had a thought why as you were talking about that Central American country and the speaker who, you know, speaker's doing well. Uh, she she runs a, a website and a service helping people with their financial coaching. But I, I definitely don't want listeners to come away from this thinking that we're all about teaching you how to live off of $240 a month. That That's not it at all. But, I, you know, I, I think of it this way, too. In those countries, there's there's a lot less to covet when you look around. And I think that that does contribute to the contentment versus when you live in an affluent society and everywhere you look is something that you don't have but could have or there's a better version of what you have like you may have a vehicle but it's definitely not you know a, a bugatti it's it's not a new tesla it's the the one i have my eye on is the the rivian electric trucks i've mm-hmm. I've, I've developed a thing for those um there's so much to covet here, at least in in America. And something I've noticed as I've matured in my faith, and again, if you're not a person of faith, if you're not a churchgoer, I'm not trying to abandon you here. Just just hear me out on this. And there's actually famous atheists who've pointed this out as well, like David Foster Wallace, an author and philosopher, that we're all built to worship. We're all built to look at things and see their beauty and start thinking that that thing will bring me ultimate satisfaction. I mean, think about when you look at a really nice house, a really nice mansion, think about the emotions that flood through your body and, and also stop and think like, how quickly does your brain begin trying to come up with a strategy to be able to buy a house like that? Like, what do I do? How do I afford that? Or maybe it's a maybe it's a vacation. You're you're flicking through Instagram and and you see someone's vacation pictures and immediately the brain's like, how do I get that? You know, mm-hmm. we're built for worship. And I, I promise I'm going to land the plane here. What I mean is, in the Ten Commandments, this is one of the oldest texts we have. The Ten Commandments, the very first and last commandment are actually the same thing. They're just phrased differently. The first one is don't have any other gods besides me. And that's what Yahweh tells the Israelites. Don't have any other gods besides me. And the funny part is he follows that up with don't make any idols to try and figure out what I look like. Don't come up with any physical objects that you can lay your eyes on and say, that's what's saving me. So there's the first commandment, me, I'm, I'm it, uh, says God. The last commandment is don't covet what your neighbor has. Don't covet your neighbor's wife, donkey barn, house, whatever it is. Don't covet what your neighbor has. And on the surface, they kind of look like they're completely different things. But then when you think about the fundamental behavior of the human eye and the human brain, we use our eyes to look at things that we start thinking that's going to make me happy. We covet what other people have. And then we worship those things as if it was a God. And so I know, I hope that isn't too roundabout, but what I hope that that listeners will realize is that when we talk about Christian financial coaching, this is what we mean, is that there are things in you, in people's hearts 
that they are convinced will save them that are actually killing them, mm-hmm. that are enslaving you and torturing you. And part of the coaching is recognizing that it's not just about a budget. It's not like, oh, you get a hundred bucks a month for cigarettes or something. It's like your need to have a cigarette is a slave master. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with that? So, well, it's, it's, it's really the, um, when we talk about the 10 commandments, um, you, you have to look at why it was divided. You know, the first four had to do with our devotion to God. And then the last, the six had to do with interpersonal relationships. And so the difference between that is we have the Holy Trinity, right? God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. That's the, the Holy Trinity. The majority of people based it on the human Trinity, the me, myself, and I. And I, I think that there was yeah. some kind of, some kind of like, you know, song in the eighties or nineties that they, you know, they, it, and it really is about, we make it all about us. The moment that we understand that it's all about God's glory and his kingdom and what he has for us, and we shift that thinking, everything changes. Well, it's not even like for, again, if, if you're listening and watching and you're an atheist and you don't care about those things, you don't even believe they're, they're relevant, you don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here because the fundamental thing here is believing that you are loved. The the rest of the stuff will follow, but I think a lot of people are carrying around a wound that has probably been created by people who called themselves Christians, but were actually again worshiping the Holy Trinity of themselves, and they just use their Christianity or their cross necklace as a blunt instrument to try and win popularity and fame. And I mean, I'll be honest, I was that high schooler who thought I was a good kid. Uh, and that's why girls should like me. And, and the truth is, in my head, I was no different than any other guy. And and I, I look back on some of the things I said and did, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was I was a hot mess. But when you believe that you are loved and provided for, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And just a quick anecdote about this. My son, Samuel, who I love to tears, was a very difficult baby very difficult didn't want to be held never wanted to eat anything just incredibly fussy everything was was a fight and he wouldn't let me hold him so i'd be trying to hold my child and he would push against my chest with his feet and and for a newborn he was strong he had some good strong legs and there were many times i'm like dude why are you trying to like kill yourself by jumping out of my arms and it wasn't until he was about nine months old where he'd gone through some kind of tantrum and just wore himself out I was holding him and he finally, for the first time in his life at nine months, laid his head on my shoulder Mm. and rested Mm. and let me as his father provide for him. Cause that's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do was just hold my son and, and show him that I loved him, but he wouldn't let me because darn it, he's going to do it his way. He's going to figure it out. Little six month old. And I, I realized something in that moment and I'm like, Oh, this is what God, God wants to do with me. He doesn't want me to perform. He doesn't want me to check any boxes. He doesn't want me to say anything. He wants me to lie in his arms and put my head on his shoulder and shut up for a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the application for our listeners is this. If you're not satisfied with where you are with your finances, do whatever it takes. If it's kicking and screaming, if it's you putting that pillow over your head and just screaming into it, or if you had the ability like us here in the Tennessee area, or you could go to the mountain, just scream your head off or go to a shooting range and, you know, take a, a thousand rounds or whatever to get all that energy out. But you have to act and come to the point where you surrender. That's it's really difficult for a lot of people to surrender, surrender who I am and my beliefs. If your ego is so big, you're going to continue to do what you've always done. And you're going to continue to get the results that you've always gotten. If you surrender, that picture that you gave us, David, is incredible of you wanting to do good and the best for your son. And he couldn't see that for whatever reason. until And, and the picture of him laying his head on your shoulder and finally going, I can breathe. Yes. I can make this happen. Most people aren't there with their finances can you breathe can you say that you have enough 
can you know that you're you know putting it towards a good cause are you making a difference are you happy are is your anxiety going down because you understand you got a, a good grip on it does it all come together for your your health and your well-being your relationships and your finances that that pillar that tripod of of how you are connected you're going to be a better person you're going to be a better spouse you know uh parent uh child you're going to be better all the way around when you really just surrender this and just understand that you know surrendering doesn't mean that you're that level one finance surrendering is level one level two and level three because remember we can do so much now i can i could just imagine you know, some of some of our clients and you know the connection that we have um with denzel you know rodriguez he, he's probably dealing with you know people that make two three hundred thousand dollars a year and some people would think oh well, you know they don't have any issues sometimes the bigger the money the more problems they have mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of, of knowing you know oh, where yeah. to place that yeah. trust your boy Puff Daddy uh, made that clear back in the late nineties, <laughs> and Biggie. <laughs> but I, I love how uh, you use the word surrender, and that is such a challenging word for people. But it's also such a beautiful word. And I would just say this: if you're listening or, or watching, and you're you're feeling this urge within you of like, I think that's what I need to do, but I'm scared. Uh, I mean, you, you know, like you already know what you need to do. It's just very frightening. And if you are going to seek out a coach, I can't encourage this enough. Talk to a coach who actually understands how the human heart works. Cause again, all of your spending and saving decisions flow out of your heart and it's passions, it's desires, and it's hurts. And as we've been talking about a lot of our spending choices uh, for good or for bad come out of our wounds. They come out of our pain. And so, you know, our, our client, we don't, we don't force our clients to do anything religious. We don't, you know, we don't pray with them unless they ask us to, but like there, there's no curriculum with this that involves a Bible or a church. It's just the foundation of it is this belief that Jesus lived and died to set us free from sin. And what is sin? It's this false belief that all these worldly things can save us. It's this false belief that the things that I see and I covet are going to ultimately deliver. And I have no doubt you have had a moment in your life where you worked hard for something and you, you believed that something was going to bring you joy. And maybe for a few minutes or a few days it did, but then within who knows how much time you were right back where you started. And, and even, even to the point of knowing that the best way to assess how you get across a minefield, you know, filled with, you know, things that just blow up is to watch a person who's gone across and made it back alive, right? That's the best way to get across a minefield because you know that that person knows what they were doing. And so we probably could have, we could have started this whole conversation with the one question that I think is on everybody's mind. And this is the, this is the question. Um, can you say wholeheartedly, if you understand where you are in your mental health, your financial health, your relationship health, I will never worry about money ever again. Let me say that one more time. Can you say wholeheartedly, I will never worry about money ever again if you're not at that place we would love to talk to you about how these three laws of you know finances from a biblical perspective can lead you to that place and it's not a again it's not a cookie cutter so it's, it's a conversation personal conversation with us you know very private and so so that you could be able to to know that just like that idea of, of a minefield, everything that you've gone through, we've probably gone through every, every scenario. And obviously it would take me days to show you and explain to you uh, some, of the, some of the difficulties and things that we've gone through. But I think the reason why God has allowed us to go through those things is so that then we can be comforters to those 
that, you know, the way that we were comforted in the process, in the journey, we can then comfort others with the same comfort that we have been given. Minor, that 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 leaves me feeling so much hope as we wrap up here, because if there's anything that continually plagues us, it is money questions and money issues and and money worries and um and th- and there's so much to it as well. Um, so, what would you say? You know, people who are listening and viewing, what are some next steps that they can take uh, to get started on this journey? Yeah, I think the primary part is just know that there is hope. There is a lot of conversations out there about the economy, about inflation, about layoffs, about what's going to happen next year with the elections and the housing market and artificial intelligence and the high price of cars, you know, a thousand dollars average a month for car payments and student loans and health concerns and, you know, mental health and all of that could weigh you down. So it's a lot. (laughs) I'm feeling a little overwhelmed just with that list. Take a deep breath and just know there is hope. And the next thing that you can do is, you know, we have a a free consultation, 15 minute consultation. So we could just kind of get to know each other. Um, I do know that, you know, we can we can be a resource for you, um, depending on, you know, whether you want to do this, you know, with us. Uh, directly, um, definitely uh, have a conversation and just know that there are people out there who are willing to help you out. And 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 at that, I would also give a word, a, a huge word of caution. Be careful with people offering you things that sound too good to be true. Uh, there is there are a lot of scams out there. There are a lot of people that might be actually exploiting the fact that you know people are looking for business opportunities. And ways to make money and ways to, you know, if just be careful. I use a lot of caution. We lead with a benefit to our client base. And we provide a free power of attorney for finances. Because we do know that we want to begin with the end in mind, you know, the, the concept of ending well. Two, the medical healthcare directive is something that I think is very dear to my heart. I think. If you haven't watched that episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it, um, where we talk a little bit about our journey and our story of our daughter, uh, Kayla Ramos. And that is part of our ministry. So it's our our way to give back to the community, to provide these solutions for them. And these could be, you know, valued anywhere between two to four hundred dollars. And we provide them for free and we just give them to you so that you're able to go either if you know a notary and somebody that can witness them, sign them, they're, they're yours. All right. And if you don't, then we also have a resource, someone that can actually do this for you virtually. And I think the third kind of action item is think of getting yourself out of the situation financially, but learning how to do it so you can help someone else and pass it forward. I think that that right there is going to help you take the step that it again it's not just about you you might be able to help somebody that's close to you a co-worker a family member your own children and and anybody else that you think you know might you know might be able to uh benefit from the fact that you were able to eliminate the guilt and anxiety of managing your finances and now you learned a way you surrendered it God's shown you the loss of, you know, provision, contentment, and ending well. And now you can go and take that message to others, and you're going to be a blessing to others. So I think that if you take all those things combined, your heart's going to be filled with contentment. Your your anxiety levels are going to go down. Your heart, your your blood pressure is going to be normal again, right? Not a medical, uh, not medical advice. I just want to clear that up. Uh, we have to be really careful with everything that we say. We don't want to be canceled, right? But uh, <laughs> that is the message that I would say is just keep things with hope in the future. There is hope ahead of you. And we're going to be looking in through the windshield, not in the rearview mirror, right? There's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the little rearview mirror. Stop looking back and look forward.
I love that. That's so encouraging. So just to review there, uh, one of the first things that we offer, anyone who's interested in any kind of financial support is a free power of attorney. And if you're unfamiliar with the benefits of that, watch our first episode of this podcast. We go into all the details about power of attorney, how that made a difference for Minor and his family, and how it can make a huge difference for yours. And even if you're not interested in the power of attorney, it's really easy to take care of for you really quickly. And it's a great way for us to get to know you and find out your specific needs. Because if you are overwhelmed and tired of this financial anxiety, if you're tired of just being on this hamster wheel of financial problems that never seem to go away. And the things that we've shared with you are resonating, that idea that there's stuff going on inside in the heart that needs to be dealt with. Please book a call with Minor. You won't be talking to me. You won't be talking to anyone else. You're going to talk to Minor right here and just get to know each other. And what Minor can do is offer possible services, possible coaching programs that are going to actually help you get where you want to be. You want to get out of debt. You want to get into a positive cash flow situation every month. You want to work on paying down a house or, or something like that. You want to save up for your kid's college. There's all these different goals, all these different sources of anxiety that could be causing your heart to experience that anxiety. Um, and we can help you with that, but we can't help you with that until you actually book that appointment. It, again, it's totally free, risk-free. The link is down in the description below this video, or it's in the show notes uh, if you're listening to this on um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we're, we're here for you. There's not a one-size-fits-all solution to your story and your situation. So, Minor, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been just a, an honor hearing more about your vision for the company Trusted Covenant and the way that we serve our clients. I'm David Safford. Thank you so much for watching or listening, and we'll see you next time on Trusting the Covenant.